This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 882. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Train station, I know you all too well. It's ain't in salutation. I'm going back where I belong. The salt and the sea and the storm save them all for me. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Hi. And welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 882, and yes, I am still sick. You know, Josh, it's possibly true that for three years, we were one of the only COVID-free podcasts out there. Yeah. You and I never having tested positive for COVID in the three years of the pandemic, until this week. Last man standing right here. I was sick last week. I had tested negative. I felt better for a while. I went out and did things because of that negative test and then got worse, tested again, tested positive, and there we are. So this is a point of order, though. Yep. Yep. If you if you were to be hospitalized or perish uh-huh. before next week's show, right? do I get the week off? I don't think so because there's a lot going on <laughs> next week. <laughs> Most people would go, it doesn't matter. I'll be dead. <laughs> I'll be dead. I don't give a fuck. Take them, take them up. 
it's funny because later we'll have in this in this uh we talked about the Shazam book and every time I see a Shazam book I'm like I made that pick that one time and ended up in the hospital before I could do the show. <laughs> That's true. Every time I buy a Shazam book I think of that. And I'm like Judd Winnick, he did that. I remember the only it. time. Was it the only time the person yes. with the pick of the week was it on the show because yep. you, your appendix burst? It did not burst. It was or, almost it was freakishly large. Yes, and in the wrong place. But that was back when we had the written pick weeks review. Right. Because now we would just say someone else do the pick. <laughs> did you just read my? <laughs> All right, here's the eight hundred words he wrote. We're going to move on. That was a discussion Ron and I had. Was should we just read his pick of the week review? Would that be funny? <laughs> and we're like, nah, I'll just. <laughs> We just won't do that. Now, what you could do, though, it would be funny is you could use one of those AI voices and have yeah. it read. <laughs> Hello, my name is Josh Lennigan. The art was so good. <laughs> Jack Kirby. All right, so let's get to the show. Because this was a great week of comics. I'm it looking was. forward to talking about them. In fact, there's, there's so many books we're not even talking about that I could talk about that I was bummed we just couldn't fit into the show. I had exactly the same feeling when I was putting it together. So let's get on with it. It's like a week where we could, I think, quite literally take every book off the rundown and replace them with a different book and yeah. not miss a beat. Yeah. It was a really fun week. It was. A lot of comics, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every week, one of us picks a book they like the best from the stack of comics we just talked about reading. We call that book the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book and other books from the week, the patron pick. We'll answer some listener mail, hopefully, if we have time. And here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. Exercise some caution. This week, Josh, you had to pick. So, I had 20-something books, which is a lot for me. And... I had a hard time finding a pick. Like on a crappy week, there would have been a bunch that I could, this could have been the pick of the week. Yeah, yeah. But on one where like I would read one book after another and be like, oh, man, that was great. Like I really yeah, enjoyed it was really, that. Really strong week. You know, and a lot of the books that were good were just new issues of books that have been good. Eventually, I landed on uh, AWA's Sins of the Salton Sea number one by Ed Brisson and C.P. Smith. I picked this one out of the, you know, you go through the comic section at the end of, the, of Diamond's previews comics is all the ones that don't get their own listing as a publisher the non-premier publishers try to spot things that yeah. might be interesting and you know basically it was a heist book wait first do you know what awa stands for artist writers and stuff <laughs> i just don't know what the second a is for because it's, it's artists and writer studios yeah but i don't know artists and writers since for the and i don't axel know axel alonzo and the other guy who was in charge of marvel in 2000 whose name i can't remember now right yeah, they have. That's why they have Tim Bradstreet on covers, which is funny. Anyway, so uh, basically, it's a heist story that takes place in the area of the Salton Sea, which is in California. Hey, did you ever go there when you lived here? I haven't. No, there was a Val Kilmer movie called that. That's as much what I knew about it. Yeah, neither have I. I feel like you just go there to die. Yeah, no, it sounds like an awful place. A damn screwed up he writes about it in the back makes much more sense but a dam screwed up somewhere along the colorado river flooded this area of the california desert in the 50s and they turned it into a resort and vacation destination but with about 20 years later like it completely dried up and completely screwed up the ecology of the place and it is a bad place to be for the most part there's no economy people get yeah. sick because of the environmental blah 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 so ed brisson basically heard about the place and couldn't get it out of his mind that he'd love to do a story there. Finally, sort of came up with this one. And I had meant very much so to look up C.P. Smith because I know his name. And I think I've hung out with him like a long time ago. He did some book that we liked a long time ago. And I'll, I'll get to it. But if you, you want to look while I'm talking, you'll find Smith. it. C.P. Smith is the artist on this. So what we have is, you know, think heat, but in the desert, which is funny. Literally, it's one last job. A guy, something goes wrong, and he just makes himself disappear. He won't talk about what's wrong. He looks like if Thor decided he didn't want to be involved, he wanted to be a human, he didn't want to be involved in god shit. And I mean, went, this is a guy who's working at a series of yeah. diners in the Salton Sea as a dishwasher, yeah. short order cook. He's keeping a low profile. He lives in a camper truck. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't want to be bothered until his old running buddy shows well, up. It's his brother. Or I don't know if brother was... Yeah, I couldn't, because they don't look a thing alike. Well... Seen my brother? <laughs> Actually, now that I'm looking at it, his brother looks like Jeremy Renner and he looks like yeah. Chris Hemsworth. That's funny. Tracks him down and says, listen, you know what happened was bad. The guy's like, I don't want to talk about it. He's like, you're right, but I need you to do this for me. And this, I forget what, what it was that sort of convinces him. And they get into it really quickly because they're like, yeah, the job's tomorrow. And we need right. you because you're the best explosives guy. What follows is, and I was thinking about this because you said that I made you think about it, is a big action scene. 
a yeah. heat style action scene where they waylay a truck and its escorts because they're supposed to be 50 million in, in yeah, they, cash they think and they're valuables robbing a guy who's moving to LA with all of his assets mm-hmm. in an armored car it's 50 million in cash plus a lot of jewels and things and they're going to take the cash someone else is going to take the jewels and it's going to be an easy peasy job with two escort SUVs and you know this is not Neil McCauley's crew from Heat these guys are not very good right yeah <laughs> that this goes badly for a while their tip their informant was off i mean like so like the basic deal is that there are every not stereotype but every standard heist movie thing is in here yeah Uh, ed brisson who really tend to think of him as sort of a yeoman in mainstream comics but really if you look at the edges of that he's done a lot of really interesting work over the years Mm. he's a guy who's making a career he's not a superstar but i really like that he's he's doing different kinds of books i mean we, we were talking he's the guy who did that predator book that was great right you know, he's done a lot of stuff. He might not necessarily stand on things, but it's a name that I will check out for sure. I just like that it stuck to the thing. It was what it was. And that doesn't actually happen in comic books all that much. I mean, they didn't open the van to find a demon inside. Right, exactly. I know. And I was like, oh, God, here they go. They're opening it up. Like, literally, I thought there's going to be a demon. It's not. It's just a straight up human. So far. So far. We've stepped to this rake before where... We yeah. think it's a straight crime story, and it turns out not to be. For now, it is. They rob the caravan. Most of the people in the crew get killed. And instead of opening up and finding $50 million, they find a mother and a daughter mm-hmm. who are being trafficked somewhere. And that's sort of the twist on this. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, this is just like the kind of comic that I felt like reading. And it was very different than you know the other books that I read this week. Again, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it was... It was just giving me a different kind of story than the ones that I see all the, all the, all the, all the time. You know what I mean? Well, it felt like a comic from the era where Axel Alonso was in charge of Vertigo. That's you true. Know, it felt like back in those days, if, if you weren't reading comics, that this is the kind of book that DC would publish through Vertigo. It would be a, a book like Scalped, which was just a straight crime story or yeah. you know, stuff from Ed Brubaker. Yeah, it's- a scene of the crime, stuff like that. I mean, I did the same thing you did. You know, you kind of have to go into that diamond list now because IDW got moved down into that list. So you kind of have to look through it to make sure you're not missing anything. And that's, I saw this and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it as well. It was not great, but I really liked it. I yeah, thought. I mean, that's kind of what it was. It, it, this is the pick of the week alchemy. Mm-hmm. Is that what was I excited about? What did I have something to talk about? What am I looking for the next issue? What surprised me? What did I not expect? All of that stuff, you know, and, and what executed sort of really well. Right. You know, I'm I'm flipping through it. The art is I don't think CP Smith is the person I thought he was, by the way. Um <laughs> either way. And Bill Jemis is the publisher. I'm going through it. Like I think the acting is is pretty strong. It's clearly got a little bit of sort of uh, photo tracing stuff going on, but you know, like an older version of Mitch Garrett's kind of stuff. You mean like the trucks and the cars? Yeah, the trucks, the faces, the whatever. But you know, in a in a comic book where actually if I'm flipping through it now, the non-action scenes are a lot of waste up conversations between people i didn't notice it while i was reading it and we're going to talk about another book today where it was a lot of people talking and i totally did notice it that's the magic of comics is that if you can kind of get around it like there's a page here it's two guys talking in a bar it is loaded with word balloons and normally that is a death knell especially for the first couple pages of a new series i did not notice it and that tells you how strongly it was written, how compelling, you know, the right. dialogue the is. The writing will win out over, yeah. over the number it, No, work. it always will. And I remember, you know, Terry Moore used to do this in Strangers in Paradise, is that he would throw like a prose text page in the middle, and that should not work. And maybe like at first, I go, Ugh. and then as soon as I start reading it, it did not matter because it kept going. I didn't lose my wind on it. And and I guess that's that's what happened here. Actually, this, the writer kind of spoils something that we didn't know in his little back matter thing. Oh, I didn't read it. Don't. There's a, basically, it's more information on what is inside the truck right? and what it's involved with. And I was like, that was not in the text, but whatever. <laughs> it didn't ruin that at all. I just like that it started out, you meet the crew, they're immediately doing the thing. And that was great, by the way. I was like, I don't want to read 10 pages of fucking prep. And then like most of those people die. And so like, you're like, like all the superfluous stuff was pushed away almost immediately. And you could just right. do the story. You know very quickly who the protagonist character is you know for the most part you know you're up and running you're off to the races you know not a lot of comics like this come out and so when they do and they're well done it's very exciting yeah yeah it was good i enjoyed it and i like that it says one of five right in the cover they don't try to hide what it is (laughs) it's a miniseries which is great that's the correct amount of pages that this needs i think 
Yeah, I liked it. It was very good. The art was a little inconsistent in the characters, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah, no, I can see it. I'm sort of looking at the end during the action scenes where they're all yelling at each other, and, you know, it kind of, it works. That sort of last few pages, I think, were very exciting and interesting. The shootout was really well done. Yep. I do appreciate that. They, it's not something that every book does, that, but every character here is distinctive looking. And so mm-hmm. I never confuse, is that the brunette guy or the other brunette yeah, guy? Yeah, that's a good point. The chef is blonde with a beard. His buddy has got like a little sort of rat mustache and one of the crew is female. Like crew, one is a shaved head guy. Like they all look different. So I'm never like, wait, who got shot? It's, it's always very clear what's going on. So I appreciated that from a design standpoint. I'm going to read a headline to you from previewsworld.com dated okay. December 5th, 2022. Okay. How artist C.P. Smith uses AI to build the resistance, which is his previous series with AWA by J. Michael Straczynski. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well. That's a thing. We're going to have to get used to it. That. And without context, I just praised it and you called it out a little. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Dark Knights of Steel, number 11, the penultimate issue of this volume or whatever it is. I don't know if there's rumors it's going to continue on, but for now, we'll just assume it's 12 issues. And I thought this is terrific. I thought this is a great issue. Everything is coming to a head, as should be happening in the penultimate issue. The warriors are taking their places, and the big event will happen next time. But I thought this was good. This is like the preamble to the third act, you know, sort of the early bits of it. What I really liked about it was that, A, you know, you said there may be more or whatever. This comes out like monthly. Like it's not too often. So I feel like I've lived in the world for a while and I'm not overwhelmed by it. And I've said this early on, maybe it was about a different Tom Taylor book. I'm not sure. I think it was this one where it's very easy for people to come up with an analog for these characters in a different world, but everything else is exactly the same. And one of the things that has been great about this is that we are frequently surprised because things are not necessarily one-to-one. In this, for example, Alfred isn't Alfred. He's the Martian Manhunter. You you did not see this coming. And so when they reveal at the end of the last issue that this is Justice League 1 through 3, you know, the the white Martians and the green Martians, I thought, oh, that's a little run-of-the-mill. But again, like, as we get into this next issue, the follow-up to that, like, it goes off track of that. It took that seed of that idea, that fun thing, and then it built it. The writer built the story in a different way than you were expecting. And I, I really appreciated that. Um, you know, sure. the, the White Martians are, are recognizable as the White Martians, but everything else that happens around it, you know, Superman and Batman are actual brothers in this. Batman has Kryptonian powers. You know, there's a big betrayal at the end uh, that you don't see coming. There's an right. interesting thing where, is it Kal-El or is it Batman? Yeah, they're both of them. They, they release all the prisoners. Right, all the ones we saw before, Green Arrow and Black Canary right. and all those people. Except for Clock King. He doesn't get to go anywhere. And, and you know, just looking at that scene right there, the really subtle coloring of, like, Bruce and Cal look the same, basically, but they put uniforms on them so mm-hmm. you can tell who they are. You know, just that's subtle, but they aren't, like, totally, you know, copies of the regular superhero costumes. It's just, a, it's, just it's really thoughtful. Yeah, and the fact that the White Martians have this meteor from Krypton and they're foraging weapons mm-hmm. is yeah. trouble for a, the house of l has had all the all the benefit of the powers so they mm-hmm. they rule over everything but now they're in trouble and we know that they don't know that so that's that gives the reader more information the characters do it's and it creates tension for us the betrayal twist was fun makes total sense in the character mm-hmm. again i think the yasmin putri art is just terrific oh there's, it is you know, there's a couple little panels here that like page 17 there's just a little canted downward angle on Ollie Queen in prison that was really terrific. Just little little things here and there that really make the pages sing. The layouts, the composition, and the, you know, for lack of a better word, the cinematography in this book has been excellent all along. Every page, you're like, oh, this is pro work. Yeah. You know, this is, this is full on, like, you are lucky to find a storyteller like this whose name I'd never even heard of. Yeah. So many comics drawn by people who are just not ready for prime time, and here's someone we'd, we'd never heard of which doesn't mean she wasn't around, but right. who was terrific. Really yeah, but terrific. to step into like a mainstream superhero title and to get that language, mm-hmm. that visual language down so perfectly, you know, with very few missteps through something like this, you know, and there's a fuck ton of characters. It is, you know, a, a completely built up fantasy world, all that stuff. Like it's an amazing amount of work to be oh, done sure. so elegantly. Yeah, any artist will tell you the more characters, the harder it is. Yeah, and and they're also like off model, so it's not like you can just 
rely on doing Batman's costume because you know Batman's costume really well. Everything right. has its own brand new design. This is the math that people don't think about when they think about comic book art. Yeah, I'm excited for the final issue. This has been great. I could use two more. I think there's another one that we're going to talk about where I was like, that's the last issue? There's like, I don't feel like we should have been at the last issue. But uh, I think it's just because I want to live in this world longer. Right. Yeah, it's great. I'm really, I was really excited for it. And I'm happy that, like I said, I think the monthly nature helps. Yes. Yeah. I don't feel like it's happened too quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Batman 801. So now this is the first DC book with the Marvel style legacy numbering on it. So we get to talk about that for a while. This is also the first issue for Chip Zdarsky. That's sort of, not the first issue, but for a long time, he was doing that Batman in the multiverse story. And that's over now. And so now we're sort of back in the quote unquote real world. And it's not quite a reset. I mean, did you read this? No. Okay. It's not quite a reset. It's not quite a clearing of the decks. And this is the dawn of DC book. But this is sort of indicative of comics now in that. And it's been that way for a while. Every arc has to be earth shattering now. It's not just enough to tell a solid Batman story. It's like every arc has to plumb the depths of Batman's soul or psyche or something and reinvent him in some way. And it just gets exhausting when everything is super important all the time. And so here he has returned from his jaunt. Something happened to his hand. I don't even remember. And I don't necessarily even care. I'm not, this is not even me asking for someone to tell me something that he's hiding. Something was wrong with his hand. He's always wearing a glove on one of his hands, even as Bruce Wayne. It seems to be that Batman is coming back from this journey with a lot of psychic damage and baggage, and he's really worried about his family. In fact, the kids all come over to visit him at 5 o'clock in the morning, and they're cooking breakfast, and they're all sitting around the table, and he's just sitting there with his eyes bugged out, seeing them all in flames. And so I'm not sure what we have going on here other than you know Bruce coming back, very aware of the fragility of the people around him that he cares about. He's trying to do meditation. He's trying to do a lot of things. He's he's very scarred from the Zeran Ra reappearance and the whole revelation that his alternate personality created this indestructible robot that tried to kill his family and friends. So he's got a lot of weight on him at the moment. But as a restart issue that sort of resets the deck, I thought this was pretty solid. And that's about as all as I could talk. Like I know there's the everything is big. And I mean, that's kind of the nature of the thing is to constantly come up with a drama and make it seem like everything when, when it transitioned from issues to trades we changed from soap opera style plotting to arc plots and mm-hmm. arc plots need big stories so that's why everything's different i wonder if the trades for a book like this do enough business that it makes sense to change it like that i don't know they did it more than 10 years ago and haven't stopped so assuming they have yeah yeah i guess so sometimes you wonder if it's an overcorrection for a thing that never happened and they just got into the habit of doing it at some point you know the trades are going to be more important than the issues i don't know But it sounds to me like if this is Batman's next iteration or this is like the thing that he has to deal with now, and I know you don't don't always want it, that sounds like an interesting one. No, it's not bad. I didn't say bad. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's it's, it's actually very similar sounding to what Zdarsky is doing over in Daredevil, where the Daredevil there is recognizable. It's the same guy, but he's got him going through a thing, you know? And what's interesting is that whenever you read, whenever, doesn't matter, whenever you read any press release of a new writer coming onto a book they'll say this is a side of batman you've never seen before yeah exactly and i feel like zadarsky is actually pretty good at executing that in a way that works within the character tom taylor does it too but he does it by putting him in a different world you know for the most part batman's been in a weird place for a long time ever since they basically blew up his world in anticipation of the the 3g change which never came about and they've been trying I Five. guess to sort of put it back together. 5G? 3G. Yeah. Whatever it was. <laughs> 5G. They've been kind of putting it back together, but kind of not. So Batman's in this weird limbo where he is sort of recognizably Batman, but also sort of not. He still doesn't live in the manor. He still doesn't have his fortune. Alfred's still dead, but he's got the whole family over. and the, It's just all very weird. It's the place they've got the most popular superhero in the world is a very weird place. Unless he was the most popular. The last time I saw it, he dropped a three, I think. But it's just very strange to have at least DC's flagship character to be in such an odd space. Also, I'd like to say something. Hmm. And I often make, you know, crazy observations about iconography and costume things. You know, we're in a new era of Batman. It's time to change the logo. We need a new Batman logo on the cover. We've had this logo since 2011. It's the uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo logo now still? Yeah, the heavy metal one where it's stamped out of metal. 
Yeah. It's time. It's a new era of Batman. Logos used to change all the time in books. Mm-hmm. When you know new eras would start, Batman's had some great logos over the years. This is not one of them. And now we're <laughs> in our 12th year of it. This is the perfect time. New logo. Normally, when you complain about something like that, I, and my, you know, over here, you can't see me. I wave my hand. I'm like, whatever. Let it go. I think mm-hmm. you're right, though. I think that actually, I think you're very right. Like, it, you also need a visual signifier of change that it's not the same thing. Because I literally look at them and go, I wasn't into that book. You yeah. know, like, that's true. It's never been a good logo. I didn't like it in 2011. I don't like it now. Shazam! Exclamation point. Number two. There's at least three books this week that had exclamation points in the title. Yeah, that's going to be a thing. A friend of mine, former, I don't know if he still listens to the show or not, who's, oh my God, I just blanked on his name entirely. Jesus Christ. I wrote the Paul book. Paul Levitz. No. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. My friend, Jay, Jay Stringer. Jesus. I wrote a short story for an anthology that he published, mm-hmm. and I was using exclamation points in it in places. And he goes, I'm not telling you what to do or what not to, but I had a writing professor who just said that every time you use a slammer that's what he called it instead of an exclamation point it was a slammer you're doing too much like don't that use them never so read much. a stanley comic well right i mean it's it's a different thing but i think in prose it's something i can i think about all the time now well, totally in prose but in comics yeah. it's something different no I, I know i mean it used to be a signifier for the end of the sentence because they couldn't you couldn't see yeah. periods very well in old print so that's one thing that's always stuck with me and the other one that's always stuck with me and there's so many books i'm sorry is in uh, stephen king's on writing he said i hate using adverbs and that stuck with me so take it all out no exclamation points. And there's an exception to all of those things, obviously. Anyway, Shazam number two, I started reading it and I was like, I don't remember what happened. And then when the page, I was like, all right, right. You know, brought me right back. I just thought that yep. was, you know, that's a that's a Mark Wade pro thing. So many times we start reading a book and we go, I don't remember what happened. And I couldn't remember if it was going on like right away. Instead, not even using a recap. They just mm-hmm. reminded me where we were and what happened. And I started reading the book and I was like, did I like this? And then I was like, right, right, I did. And the thing that reminded me I liked it was that on page six, there is a (laughs) dinosaur at the door in a waistcoat and monocle and top hat. There's a Gilded Age accountant dinosaur. Yeah. Or I don't know, British banker, whatever he is. It is a beautiful bit of rendering. Looks like a T-Rex, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then there's several pages where this is a like a almost like a Vogon from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He's there with paperwork. And then some crime goes down, so Billy's got to go take care of it. And Psycho Pirate's there, and we go, "Oh, that's why it happened. It's Psycho Pirate." And then it turns out it's not Psycho Pirate. And I was like, "Oh!" Billy had an outburst of anger in the yep. first issue where he yelled at everyone, like on camera, and mm-hmm. acting superior to all the people. And you know, he's had these outbursts of emotions, and like, oh, clearly Psycho Pirate's the reason why. And I thought Dan Mora drew an awesome, very scary looking Psycho Pirate. Listen. You were all in the Dan Moore train early, and I was yep. kind of like, yeah, it's good, it's fine, whatever. He's been impressing the hell out of me these last few months. Yeah, he's I mean, really, really not good. even just the workload amount, but the, like this book was great. You're absolutely right. So clearly Mark Wade is sort of building back the old Captain Marvel world, and he's called the Captain now. I'm just going to call him Captain Marvel. Yes. You know, Jeff Johns had built that family, which we saw in the movies, all his, all his foster brothers and sisters all had power. You know, last year or so, whatever, they all lost the power. It all went back to Billy Mary Marvel got her powers back in the pages of Wonder Woman. And here, it seems as if Freddy, who was Captain Marvel Jr., is going to get his powers back via the the gods of Shazam. And so I think he's sort of building back to return to the original three. Mm. The only negative thing I have to say about this book, and it's a minor thing, is I think having to shoehorn in all these characters from that previous story, the, all the siblings, is sort of a disservice. I don't need all these characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the arm of my chair just fell off. <laughs> Along with your dignity. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole thing I got to deal with in a second. I think that's the only negative is I, I don't need all these characters anymore. We need to just get back to basics of the three, especially when you have less page real estate these days. So my big takeaway w- when I got to the end of it was that I thought, I think I just read a Silver Age comic with modern sensibilities. Sure. You know, as I went through it and the drama and the red herrings and the faints and the melodrama of it also, I thought, God, that was just a lot of fun. Yep. You know, you never quite got your balance and it was one thing to the next. And there is conflict and drama coming from eight different sides. You know, there's who's the Captain Marvel Jr. What's his name? Freddie. Freddie. Freddie has a thing and Mary has a thing and Billy has a thing. And, you know, like Psycho Pirate showed up and he was stealing the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you know, let's go with it. The dinosaur is there about a paperwork problem. 
Yeah. It was just everything. It was it was a fire hose, but in a way that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Just classic Mark Wade. Look at the page 16. Something's collapsing on Captain Marvel. And the page is all going from the upper left down to the right, as you're supposed to. But the, like sort of the lines of it and that classic superhero shot of him sort of holding the train, the train. as yeah. he pushes it. It's a great page. Great lettering. Just that's beautiful. And he just goes, nope. <laughs> it's just, just quality stuff. Yeah, I mean, Dan Moore, he's not skimping, right? He's drawing this book and he's drawing World's Finest. And previously he was drawing World's Finest and he was drawing Once in Future. So clearly he can handle two books a month, but he's not skimping on it. He's, he's got to be using AI too, right? There's no way. Dan Mora bot is drawing. <laughs> Draw a comic in the style of Dan Mora. Dan Mora is actually a studio. <laughs> These are chock full of backgrounds and details and there's mm-hmm. a lot going on here. If I had a portfolio and I was trying to get work, I'd use this page. You know, that Captain Marvel holding the train back page. That's that's just, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Look at the perspective on the, like, suitcase that's flying. Like, there's just no, and actually, the, and, like, the dirtiness of the inside of the train. Like, I've been on a train. That's what that looks like. Right. Colors are great. Whole deal. It was a good issue again. So, you know, all the issues that I've talked about so far, I could have made them all pick of the week. Mm-hmm. And I had to think about it. I had a tough time with it, but not because it was like, oh, what am I going to choose? All right. Let's talk about Fantastic Four 701. Ryan North, Ivan Fiorelli. He loves these small town weirdness stories, Ryan North does. Yeah. He's done this many times so far in his run. I think it was the idea is to get him off the New York City board and then put them somewhere else. And again, just like with the Shazam book, you know, at the end of the, you know, the second half of this, I was like, I'm reading a Silver Age book again. This villain yeah. is straight up, you know, Kirby villain, you know, Silver Age weirdness and mind control. And again, but with a moderate sensibility. And you get, it's a ton of stuff going on. Like every page is jam packed and it felt like it was over too soon. I wanted to know what came next. It, the first half of it is basically Sue and Alicia, who she calls Allie, that I'm not okay with. That's not right. It's not right. Just call her Alicia or Alicia. It's just not right. It was and, wrong. And shit's going weird at the small town mall. And it's done people really People are forgetting well. people. They yeah. go shop at a hardware store. They realize they forgot something. They go back. The hardware store is closed. No one remembers it being ever being open, even though it's stocked full of goods. And then they go back, and Johnny has forgotten Ben and Reed. And he thinks he and Alicia and Sue are the Fantastic Four with one of his fire doppelgangers. Like, it was a very fun setup. Honestly, my only criticism is I don't think it needed to be more issues. I know you just said you wanted to read more, but like, mm-hmm. it felt very much like this could have been wrapped up in one, maybe two. I don't need this to be five issues of. No, I think two. This I think it's a two issue story. Yeah. You know, also, I love, and then we can, we can move on. Lovable idiot Johnny is my favorite human torch in a while. He's down for whatever. He's just happy to be there. Sure, I'll help you. I don't know what's going on. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't, maybe it shouldn't always be like this, but it's been fun. It'll be interesting to see how long they keep the mustache going. <laughs> I feel like it's like a challenge they have. In this one, Flamo uh, yeah. is his is what he thinks. It, it doesn't the whole thing. He produces a flame version of the human torch that is not the same as him. He also has a mustache. That is interesting. What they did was where they they're basically saying he has flame power akin to sue's invisible yeah. power and that he can create objects and shapes and so that's part of what they're doing in the beginning is working on him i mean practicing doing that so that's makes sort of an sense. extension of that which is interesting yeah. did you finish the ambassadors ambassadors i did six? i did finish the ambassadors and this was one that i referred to earlier and i was like really we're ending this on the sixth issue because i feel like we have a lot to work through well that's what it's at the end it says end of volume one yeah. which is kind of what he does but i still feel like it should be a satisfying six-issue arc. Yes. Even if you're doing more. They rushed it. This is this is act one. Yeah, and we talked about this because the first two issues were pick of the week. The third issue, you may not have been on the show. I think it was Ryan and I talked yeah, about I how so. we were like, uh-oh, we're three issues in and there's been no story. Mm-hmm. They're little stories. They're like each character had its own Yeah, they had, they had their story. own stories, but there wasn't an overall story. Right. And so they managed to pull it to, they, I mean, I guess the team did. Actually, even those character stories weren't stories per se they were more like origins they were yeah introductions and each issue had a different artist this is mateo scalera and you know they managed to pull it together where this team this you know this billionaire who's figured out how to give regular people superpowers builds this team of you know people from different countries and they come together and they fight her ex who has figured out the same thing but has done it in an evil way and they have a big battle here and it's, it's, it was fun and that was some really the action scenes inventive, at the end yeah the fun whole mark miller excellent. stuff and yep I liked it, but it, it did feel very rushed, the last two issues. 
to when I saw, you know, in volume one, I was like, well, okay, obviously, but mm-hmm. it should have been more satisfying as a story itself rather than have to go to volume two for more. But I did like it overall. Yes, no, absolutely. And and I think the, the feat of lining up a murderer's row of artists, one for each issue, and mm-hmm. having it still be cohesive, I thought. It's just a, it's a, I don't know, it's producing. I don't know what you'd call it or editing, you know, whatever. I thought that was pretty great because each issue you could appreciate that new artist who came on here. And Mateo Scalero, unfortunately for the other artists in the world, has not stopped it. Although yeah. I liked his, I liked the coloring that he had on, um, <laughs> actually, no, it's the same one he had on Black Science. Anyway, if I have any complaint, we, we will move on. This is our short section, is that I felt that the villain, it was less three-dimensional than I had hoped he would be. Mm-hmm. To me, it was interesting that like this was her ex-husband. I was like, wow, what happened there that this happened? And it, it turned out that he just had always been playing her because he was super jealous. And that's one of those things where like the lady is supposed to be a genius too. Then I think she would have seen this coming to a certain extent. Like, she, you know what I mean? Well, there's the, I mean, that's sort of the dramatic irony of it. There's a I blind guess. spot. To me, like, the, like it didn't play that way though. I mean, she's supposed to, she, it's not just science. There wasn't science time stuff. for anything. We never, we never really got to know her that well. I no, I get that and everything. I just thought that like the villain was almost too evil for me, which is it's just it's just a totally valid choice. I just I don't know if I would have liked him more. And then there was also like the random guy who also has powers through neither one of them. Like it was Right. I had forgotten about that. That was the cold open in the first issue, I think. Right. And now he shows up to save the day. But there was a lot going on here that really wasn't explored, which is part of why I'm not reading a ton of Mark Miller stuff lately, is I feel like ever since the Netflix mm-hmm. deal, he's just throwing a lot of ideas at the wall. I mean, I think that's always been the case with him. Yeah, but it's, he's less concerned with making it stick and more concerned with just because he's got this deal. High concept. Nothing has really come out of it other than Jupiter's Legacy, which was a, a disaster for them. But the last book I read that James Bond book was a really fun idea and good, but it was only like four issues and it needed to be at least six. I mean, this is what I'm getting at. It's the same thing. Like, there's a depth that would have made this better. You know, if you want adventure, I mean, again, I was Silver Age. You know, like, that's what it is. Like, you're, there's a, there's it's a surface level excitement. And then yep. not much below that. And I, I just feel like that would put it over the top. That's the thing that was in Jupiter's legacy, I thought, is that the oh, yeah, characterizations and Starlight, no, that one era in the middle where he was really doing great stuff yes. is that he really got into the characters of it. And since then, and I think that was at the beginning of his whole Netflix deal or whatever. No, it was. no, 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 no. Okay. Well, either way, well, you're right then. Since that then. That was like seven years ago. I don't even remember, dude. Yeah. yeah it's very pitchy. And they're good ideas. I like the I like oh, the ideas of. It. I just feel like, oh good. man, this would have been great if it had been twelve issues as opposed to six. And I realized that maybe there'll be another six, but the problem is this particular arc would have been better as twelve. This is a choice he's making, and I think it's a valid aesthetic choice to be like, no, nah, no, nah, it's all action all the time. We're moving. It's you know, it's an action movie. Fine, fair, but I think I would get more out of it if it had a little more depth. Yes, I was surprised. To get the it's Dan Abnett, not Dan Mora, who wrote. Yeah, I was, number I was one. looking at the script. I was like, Abnett. really? Dan, sorry, Dan Waters is actually Dan a name Waters. I do not know. Dan, the rest of them are correct. Loki number one, I had not expected to read or like the thing, but it was sort of in the voting for patron pick, and mm-hmm. I thought it was good. I thought it was like a it was like a one of those Norse mythology stories, but set with a sort of a more modern Loki. Thor shows up briefly, but it's not really what the story is about. Right. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I thought Herman Peralta was actually probably the other reason I picked it up. You know, maestro artist, kind of just a, a Norse mythology type story to mix in with the Marvel version of Loki, where he is sort of the king of the frost giants and he's no longer the trickster or the of lies. I forget who he's like the, the god of stories or i forget mm-hmm. like it's been a bunch of things so this is dan waters with two t's yeah dan waters with two t's a name i not do not dan know. Waters with one t who was a screenwriter who wrote hudson hawk <laughs> there's two dan waters writers it's like 14 people in the world who would say that i was like googling him while you're talking i was like this is mm-hmm. dan waters the guy who wrote hudson hawk and demolition man and the adventures of ford Fairlane. no, no two t's not him. different yeah. guy I'd enjoyed it though. I, I actually really like, despite myself, and I, I can't say I've said I'm, I'm kind of over Loki. I was over Loki before the show, but it was good. It was good, and the whole thing is narrated by. Okay, so the fingernails of slain warriors mm. are used to make a big warship that Loki uses. I don't remember exactly why, and the entire thing is narrated by the warship, which is made of old fingernails. 
Gross. Super Norse myth stuff. You know what I mean? Also, fingernails are not very strong. Well, magic and shit. What do you want? Mm. Gross. Yeah, it's a good. There's a lot that happens in it too. This week we saw the Flash 800, a celebration of Wally West, as it says in the cover, which I feel like it shouldn't be. It's the Flash 800. These are not all Wally's issues. 800. First of all, the number is suspect because we just said Batman 800. Batman premiered in 1940. 1940s was when Jay Garrick first appeared. So I think they're taking the numbering all the way back to Jay Garrick, which means like this should have been a celebration of all of the Flashes, but whatever. Whatever. Nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. Haven't said it in a while, but it's still <laughs> true. true. This was actually really good, though. This is what I wanted out of one of these big issues. It featured creative teams that sort of run the gamut of the highlights of Wally West's time. So we had a Jeremy Adams, Fernando Passaran story. They just finished the Flash run. There was a Mark Wade, Todd Nwok story. There was a Josh Williams, Carmen DG, and Domenico story. There was a Jeff John Scott Collins story. And then there was a Cy Spurrier, Mike Dada Jr. story, which is going to be the new team on Flash. This was well done. I liked all the stories to various degrees. I really liked the Jeremy Adams, Fernando Passaran story, which was like your standard, you know, rogues don't fuck with the flash story he's scarier in a different way than batman is he's scarier because he just wants to chat and be your buddy my favorite one though was the mark wade story this is a great mark wade week in which max mercury and wally west are trapped in the mirror master's mirror world and they need bart impulse allen's help to get out but he's bart impulse allen and he can't focus and they need mirror master's mirror gun to be fixed to get them out but it's broken so wally's like go get steel Run to Metropolis and get steel. And, and Bart's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll do it. And he runs to the library, reads tons of, tons of books, comes back and fixes it. Uh, but he's like, oh, man, there's no power in the gun. How do you power this thing? And Wally's like, that's what steel's for. He was building his frustration with Impulse really, really well. This was really, just a really strong 800 issue. It was Every story was fun. The least good story was the Jeff John story, which was focused on one of his villains who I never really found all the compelling in the first place. But it looked great. And then the last story is interesting. The Sysbury or Mike Diodatos, it's just certainly going to be a Flash that is very different than the Flash we've been used to for a while. So it'll be interesting to check that book out. But I like this issue quite a bit. Cool. Quick Star Wars corner thing. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Empire, number one, which actually takes place in the Return of the Jedi time period. Confusing. It's the story of a, a guy who is the son of uh, someone who runs a very some sort of tech corporation on one of the world's. And the Empire takes over the business because it's a fascist autocracy. Mm-hmm. Rilo Grinth of Grinth Technologies. And for one reason or another, he's taken into service for the Empire where he has to go do testing at the station on the moon of Endor. And no uh-huh. one likes him. And all the stormtroopers and stuff are mean to him. And he's sort of unhappy. And he works with a droid who's kind of an asshole. He goes outside to eat some lunch and an Ewok pops out and he's like, hey. And then he gets in trouble for talking to the... like. Everything goes wrong for him. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a, like it could be a comedy sketch, but it's just one of those little tales of the stories. And I loved it. It was super fun. And I'm enjoying the main Star Wars story or whatever. But I find that the other comics, when it, it takes place during the times that we know, but it takes mm-hmm. us away from the main characters, it's just here's what goes on with a random person in this world, in the Empire. They can be really fun. Jody Hauser and Jethro Morales, which is a great name. Hmm. So just this one little single issue story about some shit that goes down in the Empire and a guy who is not built for it. Uh, it reminds me of the old, you know, the fan fiction movies that used to happen in the, you know, the earliest part of the Internet. It was good. It was fun. I think I talked about a similar story. There was a Tales of Jabba's Palace, whatever the one I did before. Right. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was well executed and everything. I enjoyed it. Those are the books we're going to talk about. Like I said at the top of the show, we could have swapped all those books out for other books that were terrific and enjoyed reading this week. It was a really strong week of books. But let's talk about the patron pick. Every patron at patreon.com slash ifanboy votes to add the books to the rundown. And this week, the vote went to Steelworks, number one, from DC Comics, a new Donna DC book. I assume it's a miniseries, but we don't know. It's about Steel, written by Michael Dorn from Star Trek. He plays Worf, art by Sami Basri. And he does the voice for Steel. And he does the like voice for Steel. That's the connection. That's right. That's right. Colors by Andrew Dollhouse, letters by Rob Lee. And uh, I love Steel. Like, Steel was the best thing that came out of that Death of Superman story. I, mean, I like Superboy, but Steel was my favorite coming out of that. So I was excited to read this. I'm sorry. Well, I thought it was fine. Like, it, it wasn't good, but I've read worse comics. I thought that it was much more competently done by a, a, an actor, who I guess probably also writes, than I expected. 
but I also think it wasn't good. My biggest problem with the book is, okay, so the basic premise is uh, John Henry Irons is going to use his genius and his fortune to help Metropolis build up its infrastructure, you know, promote the regular guy in a city that relies on superheroes because now there's a fucking hundred of them to save the day. He wants to promote the little guy. He wants to build up the regular dude. Number one, I'm tired of superheroes who don't want to be superheroes anymore. Like this is why I'm reading the book. I'm not reading the book because I want them to hang up their cape and really dig into infrastructure issues. This is like a failed Iron Man pitch. The other thing about Steel is they turn him into Iron Man. I mm-hmm. mean, they even have the little insert shot of him in the, in the helmet like they use in the Marvel movies. And totally on the Superman Lois show, he's basically just Iron Man. He's got a terrible costume. Hmm. But the cardinal sin of this issue in any Steel comic these days is Steel's got a fucking awesome giant hammer. And any comic that he appears in where he doesn't hit a dude with a giant hammer is a failed Steel comic. <laughs> He has a hammer. I wish you were the editor of the book, and that is like the only note you ever gave to anyone. Every issue, he should hit someone. What are you going to do with the hammer here? You got to go back in and get the hammer in. Excuse me? He has a giant hammer, and I've hired you to write Steelbook. What are you not putting together here? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this issue is all him talking. He gives a speech. my problem. And then he talks to his niece, and I totally forgot he's together with Lana Lang. And I like Sami Basri's art, but there's a lot of him standing stone- stiff with his arms straight down talking it was so much talking and i I mentioned this earlier when i talked about salt and sea there were conversations you know where i was just i didn't notice in this i got this double page spread here where he he gives a speech or he's talking to whatever her name is and i I just like i I couldn't read it i skimmed it i was like i don't care and that's halfway through the book i had nothing to grab onto here that i thought was compelling or exciting at all I was bored to tears. It's sort of the epitome. And I'm not putting this on Michael Dorn because I think it was competently written for what it was. The problem is it's the story idea, which I guess probably comes from Michael Dorn in conjunction with their editors, is like, let's make comics exciting again, right? Mm -hmm. We went through the whole period and there's been some great talkie comics. And superhero talkie comics can get just as good as any, any comics, but... This was not interesting or exciting for a first issue that should be flying out of the gates and blowing your socks off and showing how cool Steel is. It's just a lot of corporate discussion, and I just like, not what I'm reading comics for. And the only thing that was interesting in it was there's this, you know, I don't know if he's indigent, or but there's a disgruntled man who had his job lost or life ruined or whatever. Yeah. And a, a guy in a weird suit and white gloves kidnaps him. You know, and, and tells mm-hmm. him, I'm going to help you. I need you to do And then some science shit happens to him. And then he goes, now run. We don't see what happens. There's no teaser. Right. right. If nothing else, I should have had a reveal of what that is. Because the last Why page. Why I should care about this guy at all. The last page, the last couple of pages is there's an intruder alert at Steelworks R&D. Mm-hmm. And some shit's going down, shots fired. And this hat comes right after whatever happened with that other guy. And then the last page is Natasha. You know, and she's fighting somebody off, and then we don't see what it is. And I was like, the last page needed to be whatever that dude turned into. It needed to be. That is a huge mistake. It was like somebody lost the actual last page of this book. Yeah. An incredible execution error, I thought. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, when Bendis, I don't want to say invented the talkie superhero comic, but sort of popularized it, he could do it because his dialogue was snappy and fun and funny. And it's like all the wrong lessons were learned from that. And now it's almost like... Well, everybody thinks that they're snappy and fun. It can be really good, but the writing has to be really strong for that. And it wasn't really strong here. And so at the end of it, I was like, well, first of all, Steel doesn't want to be Steel anymore. And second of all, the hammer was just sitting there. Nothing, nobody touched it. Like, why am I reading this? Let me tell you, Steel shows up at one point, okay? Mm -hmm. He's on page nine. And he starts talking, page 10, he starts talking about how people have depended on superheroes so long. And in that, the, I guess the nanotech or whatever it is, covers his body. He's steel. He's talking to her. We get the double page spread speech. And he's in the costume. And then they have a conversation and he laughs real hard. That's it. That's the only steel in this book. And he had the costume on for no reason. Yeah. He just stood in his office and they put it on him because they were like, I guess we should have steel in here. But it had there was no reason for it. Right. This is a bad comic book. I was annoyed because the other front runners for patron pick were very uh-huh. good books. Well, 
Sometimes the patrons give it, and sometimes they take it away. This one, like, caught up. Like, it was behind. I thought, oh, good, I don't have to read. Because I'd read the other ones that were in yeah. contention. I thought, okay, good. I'm looking forward to talking about these. I was looking forward to talking. They were in the show. We yeah. put them in there. And then this was it. And I was like, ugh, what a bummer. Because I loved all my books. And now i got to end the show talking about this book, which I thought was just not good. All right. So what's the ratings on Steelworks? Number one ratings. One and a half. One and a half out of five. Um... I convinced you it was worse than you thought, didn't I? There are certainly more problems than I had recognized, but yes. I mean, obviously, the, the <laughs> lack so of... so good about that. <laughs> the lack of steel prop. The lack of hitting with anything with a hammer is a problem. I'm going to give it a two and a half. Because wow. I do like steel a lot. That should make you like it less. Yeah. I was going to go three originally, but you've knocked it down a half a point. All right. So, are you going to stick with Steelworks? No. I'll probably check the second issue out because I like steel, but it was disappointing. I was looking forward to this book and I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron of the show can vote to add a book to the rundown. And the patrons are the one who help support the show. They directly support it. They unlock shows for everybody to listen to. They're, they become part of a great community. And next week, assuming all goes well, next week we'll have our big announcement about the revamped patron reward system. We're basically taking it down to the studs, building it back up. Because they got rid of the stretch goals. So we were, we're interested in a new set of rewards. So it maybe you'll be interested in joining. Maybe if you're already a patron, you'll be interested in, in being a different kind of patron. All will be revealed, fingers crossed, next week. We almost did it this week, but we just ran out of time. A lot to do. So keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open, your ears closed next week. I found out at threadless.com is our t-shirt store. We introduced a new t-shirt this week. It wasn't the one we were talking about before. We still have another one in design. But this week, we introduced the iFanboy Pride shirt in honor of Pride Month. Half of every dollar spent on the Pride shirt goes to the It Gets Better project. So you can check that out at iFanboy.threadless.com. We now have 13 shirts there, 13 designs you can get on various items. And It Gets Better is an organization that, you know, helps primarily, you know, younger LGBTQ yep. folks, you know, who are having a hard time in, in the earlier part of their lives. It's such a great and important cause. So I'm glad that we're going to be able to do that. And I hope you do that, too. Yeah, so check it out. And then we should have at least one. Well, we have a couple of shirts in design, don't we? I've yeah. forgotten. Yeah. yeah, so they'll be coming eventually. iFanboy.com uh, slash support is our digital PayPal tip jar. iFanboy.com slash Amazon is our Amazon page. You can find a link to shop there. You can also find all the Booksplode books. Bookshop.org is our partner. Help support local bookstores. I just pre-ordered the Marvel Cinematic Universe book, the behind-the-scenes possibly tell-all book. I just pre-ordered that via Bookshop.org. So mm. you can check that out there. It's a great organization, helps local bookstores. In pre-ordering that book, I sent $3 to the bookstore of my choice to support. And it's not nothing. Enough people do that. Let's talk about the patron thanks and powers section. This is where we thank a patron to $5 or higher level by giving them superpower live on the show. And this week's patron is Elijah St. Denis. Or Dennis, but I think it's Denis. Elijah's power, Josh, is he can induce tears and sorrow in you. He can look at you and engage his power and you'll start crying to various degrees depending on how intense he engages his power i mean to me it's all right under the surface so it's not a big challenge for him but he can really amp it up like he can start making make you start to sob or maybe just the one tear he'd be great on a set like he could just be like i need that guy to just give me the one tear down the cheek and he can do that is he unlocking or revealing emotions that you have that make you do that or is it like you know like he's falsely sort of like giving much like you an sadness. actor he's just he's using whatever it needs to get you okay. there but he gets you there right it could be like why am i crying i don't understand or you start crying because you're thinking about your dad or something like this mm-hmm. whatever it is he makes it happen in you you know what gets me what i cry at happy things sure because otherwise if i cried at sad things i mean you'd never stop but like so movies that have large musical sequences mm-hmm. like frozen and they do the big song makes me cry and i hate it why does i that do not cry? want it to but it gets me it like i don't like you're just so proud of them for pulling it off or why are you, i don't what, know what's... i think it's because the, those things are like unabashedly emotional mm. like in order to belt out a huge like blah, 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 and you know and the stories about whatever for some reason and it's not just that it's just the first that was the first one i thought of so it you cry when me. people are in touch with their emotions yes interesting yes yes I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, listen mm-hmm. here. It's Pride Month. So I will give you a very specific example of a thing that sort yeah. of makes me cry is that when same-sex couples or something are allowed to be together, right? you know, in public, 
And that gets me every, not just in public, but like out in the world and in a world where I grew up and they weren't, you had to, right. you, you hit it. And I had, you know, I have many, many family members who weren't able to do that. So now that I, I see, you know, they, they weren't secretive about it, but you, you still kind of just didn't mention it. And now you can. And I just think that is beautiful. That makes me cry. Like that tears me up. Last week was Memorial Day, and I watched about two-thirds of Band of Brothers on Memorial oh, yeah. Day. And then I've been making my way slowly through the rest of them. And last night, I watched Why We Fight. Oh, boy. And yeah, that oh gets boy. me. I was a blubbering mess on the couch for that one. I can't remember. I was in D.C. years ago. It was a long time ago. So I was sort of had no idea how I worked. And I went to, I don't remember if it was a World War II memorial. I think I went to the World War II memorial and then immediately went to the Vietnam Memorial mm-hmm. and the size of the Vietnam Memorial. Oh, yeah. Endless name. I mean, like, fucking killed me. Like, yeah. I lost my shit. And, like, out of nowhere. Like, I didn't expect it. Yeah, it's rough. So. It's rough. <laughs> better so, Elijah, <laughs> we don't necessarily need your powers, but you can go around make people cry. Patreon.com yeah. slash iFanboy. If you give it the $5 higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. And I think we can do this one email since it's not super long. It's also relevant. Sam of South London says, on the recent episode 880, Josh gave the patron pick, Fury number one, a rating, ratings, of two point, he wrote ratings, and I respect, yes. uh, of 2.5 saying, quote, quoting myself, I'm going right down the middle. It's not just like that when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> is, the, is the lowest score a comic could receive zero? I've always pictured ratings ratings as going from one to five making the middle rating ratings three zero is a score i give to something that doesn't meet the criteria of the form i.e a comic without any pages <laughs> i can imagine going below one if something feels willfully offensive sort of a protest score but can you think of any comic you've read that would actually score zero and i've been lucky thinking about this question for no, 10 no, no. of the can last I get an 10 minutes official ruling on whether i fanboy does ratings between 1 and 5 or one, oh, 0 and 5 yeah miss skipped a bit i think that we do 1 to 5 i can't think of a time that we did less than 1 that's interesting cuz then down the middle would he be right in my head it's 0 to 5 but i don't know if we've ever given a 0 but i like the possibility that zero's there what i don't need to do is get into pedantic math questions i don't care about that. <laughs> this is not a math show no i, I mean i would say like like if I really hated the book, I would be like, that's a one, because that's the bottom of it in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then just now, like, as you're thinking about it, what would I give a zero to, here's the first thing that I thought of. There was an issue of Marvel Comics, The Rawhide Kid, number one. Yeah. And it was the worst comic book I had ever read up to that point. Offensive. I probably read worse since then. It was. It was offensive. It was offensive. And that was why I hated it. That I might give a zero to. I think I reserve that right, but I think it's I like very the possibility. Rare. I'm not saying we're going to give out zero, but I like that we can. Should yes. there need to rise? I don't like yeah. to box us in. So, for in my head, I've been thinking zero is a bottom. Josh just says one is the bottom. Even like on a bad book, you've never been like point five. Yeah, because I don't think I've ever read a book. I mean, you know, we haven't had a patron pick that bad mm-hmm. yet. That's but true. We've I like the ratings. idea that I can. I don't want to be boxed in. So, yeah. I think that the patron pick vote, the rating. Is intensely personal, which is why sometimes you get a book that gets a 3.75892, because that's how I feel about it. Right. Also, it's kind of a joke. I really do like the really cutting it down to the bone. Like, if you got to go three digits to do it, then do it. I like when people get really angry about that at first. It's like... That's the other reason I really like doing that. everyone chill. You know, in my mind, it goes to zero. Maybe Josh's goes to one. Maybe someday Josh will read a book and it'll be a 0.5 rating. But who knows? So there is no official ruling because it's intensely personal. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We need to keep the ratings, 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 completely subjective. Absolutely. And having rules around that, it would be objective. And therefore, that's a a no. Right. The more rules, though, well, sometimes rules are good, but in this instance, they're not. They're not good. I earlier gave a 2.5 to Steelworks, and that was for me going down the middle. So Mm -hmm. in my mind, zero is still in play. Okay, so if you're if you're if you're scale, we don't have time for this. If your scale is zero to five, yeah. what would the middle be? Two point five. Right, but if the scale is one to five. Then what would it be? He says he says it's three, which is it's true. True, three, three is the middle. One, two, three, four, five. Look at your fingers. Three is a wide gap that sits in the middle, though. Right, but so look, you're at your, look at your hand. The values There's of five fingers. The middle fingers are the third one, so that's the middle. Yeah, but it doesn't work that way. That's why two point five. 
That's right. why zero. I know, but because so three indicates zero. that you've passed the middle point. Because the here's the thing. Okay, here's why. Oh my god. One through mm-hmm. five, you're giving each finger an equal weight. But if you have three of something, it is more than two of something. So therefore it is better than bad. Yeah. Two five is you are equally on each side of good and bad. You even out. Three doesn't work because it's more good than bad. Thank you. Yeah, I used to think of the old Netflix rating scale when I thought of ratings. the ratings. It was, uh, you know, five being I loved it, four being I really liked it, three being I liked it, two being I really didn't like it, one being I hated it, mm-hmm. and then zero That's- would be this is offensive. But you couldn't do zero. Not on Netflix, but I'm saying in, right. zero is a below a hated right. it. So, I mean, a comic about pages, that's that's ridiculous. But, you know, I'm sure there's a comic that DC will put out a Lobo, Damian Wayne, Bizarro team up. And somehow Gambit will get in there and I'll give it a zero. Right. Fair. It's more of a theoretical zero because sure. I haven't come across it yet. But it could. <laughs> the theoretical zero. <laughs> now it now it feels like a challenge by the way <laughs> right next week that strawberry zeros. shortcake book mm. oh you didn't like that at all nope it Contact offended me you can write in like sam thanks for writing it that was fun more fun than i anticipated me too let's plug some shows was it last week we had the yeah last week we had our media explode discussion of return of the jedi for the 40th anniversary really enjoyed that that was a lot of fun and then before that we had our books explode for the Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And even before that, we had Guardians of the Galaxy. There's been a lot of shows lately. This week, we should have had the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse review show. Josh went and saw it. And I was ready. I'm worried by the time we get to it that I won't remember what it was I wanted to say. I got sick. I couldn't see it. Our other regular stable reviewers couldn't see it. So I'm going to see it as soon as I'm able to, but uh, I can't right now. So uh, I don't know when that's going to come out. It may not come out for a while. It'll come out eventually, but it may not be till maybe even July. Just looking at the calendar. So we'll see. All right. So I'm going to then say something, which may be a bit of a spoiler if you people yeah. want to wait. Okay. But it may be the most visually stunning film I've ever seen. There you go. That's where I, I land. So I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what my, what my rating is yet, but it ain't zero. <laughs> and it ain't three. <laughs> this coming week, The Flash comes out. So the following week, fingers crossed, we'll have our Flash review. Maybe we'll do a Flash hybrid review of Spider-Man. I don't know. We'll see. We'll try to make it work the best we can. Sorry. Things happen. So there you go. Those they are do. our shows. Oh, and Josh has a Toxplode this month, although... It'll end up in early July, I think. But uh, so, you know me. We, I've already said too much. You can find our library of... This is the old one. 1,300 shows and counting over at lifehandball.com, <clears throat> wherever podcasts are sold. I'm starting to notice the numbers on the special edition shows that we do. Right. This was Talksplode 36, which is catching up to Booksplode 55. You can follow us at iFanboyComics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is there before the show comes out. you find the best of the week in panels. Obviously, you can get those podcasts wherever it is you normally get podcasts. Connor and I are C.S. Kilpatrick and Jay Flanning on Instagram, you know, for stuff that we do there. Yeah. And you can subscribe to this show and hear it on YouTube.com slash iFanboy. We put this show up every week. You can also... Check out all the old video shows we used to do back when we were a going concern and did this full time. And we did seven shows a week. Six of those were video shows. And so uh, you can find all that old content there. A lot of people are like, hey, did you ever talk about this old book? It's like, yeah, we did a whole video show about it. So you can find all those shows on YouTube.com. Is, is it long also, enough now that those opinions we had at that point are invalid? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, it's been long enough now that I can definitely look back on that version of Josh however many years ago. Oh, no, that guy was totally an idiot. <sighs> And he and he didn't he didn't know it. Well, but what can you do? We were in our twenties. What are you going to do? Listen, time is a flat circle. <laughs> Consider writing a review or leaving a star rate. I was I was reading, reading the paper the other day, and there was an article, and they had the picture of this guy. I was like, oh man, that guy's old. And I looked, and he was only ten years older than us. And I was like, oh fuck. Dan Hedaya in Cheers was younger than I am. <laughs> Smoked a lot. I drove of past Cheers yesterday. And I was like, oh, oh there it is. Yeah. Was he outside smoking a cigarette? No, there's a big pride flag on that railing, though, which I was like, oh, cool. Leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider reviewing this show. Any podcast you listen to, it helps people find the show. It helps the algorithm promote the show. We thank everyone that leaves the reviews. We do appreciate it. We still need them. Every review counts and help. Even though long ago we left around comics in the dust, 
it doesn't hurt I was, to. I was going to say that's really the only reason I want them is that so <laughs> if it ever comes up again, like I haven't talked to Chris in a while, but if I did, mm. I'd say, oh, by the way, <laughs> you have been tra- like I like you. I have nothing. I have, I have no ill will against you at all. But don't consider for a moment that you've won any part of this. Long time listeners will know what we're talking about. So that's this week's yeah. show. I am still here, although I had to make liberal use of the mute button this week. Yeah, good luck with all that on your side of the editing part. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be better when it's my turn. (laughs) Yep. Until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Be well. Take care of yourself. Love people. Stop fucking coughing. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) I belong with the salt and the sea and the storm. You save my mom. I belong with the salt and the sea and the stones You saved them all for me